0: This is the documentary on one from RTE in Ireland. And today's documentary is Shane Healy back on track.
1: It's 9am on a Saturday morning in June. Runners from the Dublin Track Club have assembled in the Phoenix Park for their third group training session of the week.
2: They're all ranging from 18 upwards to around 30 as well. Their
1: coach is Phelan Kelly.
2: Sean Tobin is probably one of the main guys here today, and Michelle Finn. Sean, 10th in Eurocross, and Michelle is in the Olympics. And There's a fair few good runners here trying to make their mark.
1: Some run at top international level. Others are striving to reach that goal. And there is an outlier, a 51-year-old, who tends to hang with the lead group. His name is Shane Healy. With
2: Shane, it's always positive. It's always the next goal, isn't it? Like, he's always pushing something. Like- yeah, it's a great day for pain. He's yeah. always,
0: that's his favorite quote there.
2: Yeah, he's much younger than his years. and you know? He's so enthusiastic, he's so keen. It's just such a, a drive for him. Like, it's, it's an obsession and maybe borderline addiction, but it's definitely an obsession that Shane has with running and to still be doing it with the intensity that he does it. That he hasn't broken down is one thing, physically and mentally you know, it is quite an, quite impressive.
1: Shane found running 30 years ago. It hasn't been a constant in his life, but he ran for Ireland at the Olympic Games, and in 2020, Shane and running seem inseparable.
2: He's a leader now in the group, obviously. He teaches us a lot of things, just the minor details, always like hats, gloves, food after, the whole lot. We all know kind of Shane's backstory as well, so you kind of... When you have a day, you think, like, ah, this is, we're ha- having it rough, or you think it's miserable outside, and you're just like, nah, Shane's been through a lot worse, we can get through this, you know? So, um, always learning. Yeah.
1: Shane is a charmer. He grasps opportunity. For his age, he runs middle distance races as fast as anyone alive. That doesn't happen by accident. So, we do a 5k warm up. This is Shane and a 5k cool down after the session. So it's about a
3: 26k session. So you're probably on your legs for nearly 2 hours. So yeah, it's a good uh, deep strength training regimen. It's good for the mind, the soul and the body.
1: There is much more to Shane's story than being an international class athlete his route into the sport was unconventional. And so was his childhood.
3: My mother was from England. She was born in Yorkshire. And her parents were from Roscommon Extraction. That's how my dad knew my mum, from coming over in the summer holidays or whatever. My parents got married in 59 in Tulsk in Roscommon. And that year, they had their first child, Erin. She was born in 59. She died of a cot dead. It wasn't the perfect start Brian came along in 62, he's my eldest brother, Lorraine came in 65, Lyona came in 67, and I was born in 68. It was a hit and miss with the relationship, like not all relationships are perfect, you know, they had the ups and downs. I was four years old and one night I was asleep in bed. Uh, My mother and dad got into a a, a big argument. My sister Lorraine woke up with the shouting. My mother was just about to leave the house and she grabbed Lorraine. 47 years ago, daddy decided there wasn't much work here back in the mid-70s, so... He went to England and I was put into, I think it was a sister's home in Donnybrook. It was the nuns. I was there for a little while. Then I went in then to Golden Bridge Orphanage. I always remember the long driveway down into Golden Bridge and every time I see white railings, long, white, old railings, it always just reminds me of Golden Bridge, even to this day, like. There was a lot of nasty things that came out of Golden Bridge in the 60s, I guess, the, the child abuse and
1: stuff like that. Shane counts himself lucky to have avoided the cruelest of times at Golden Bridge, but there was still intimidation. There was other kids there that like, were older than
3: you, like, and you, you learned to stand up face out pretty quick, like there'd be a few bullies like to give you a few slaps or you fight your own corner. But um, yeah, Golden Bridge w- was a it was a tough experience, yeah. Um, there was nothing easy about it. I was taken out of them homes on and off for a couple of years, as I remember, because dad would come off from England. He get another flat, and then back to England, and he was back in to England a couple of times. I don't blame him, and I don't blame, I don't blame anybody. It was just the way that life panned
1: out for me, you know. In time, Shane's father settled back in Dublin with a new partner, but Shane wasn't for settling. Three schools and a lot of mitching later, in 1982, he left the Irish education system.
3: I was a bit wild. I just wasn't into school. Uh, at 13 and then I helped Daddy out a little bit prepping cars for panel beating sometimes we'd run down a car on the canal prepping a wing for paint and sanding it down and and that's what I did for a year two years and then I was and then and didn't know what I wanted to do as a teenager and I got a job in the Headline Bar in uh, Hal's Cross Leonard's Corner and I was working there as an apprentice bartender and that was in 1986, and one night I was working the bar, and this uh, American couple came in uh, Ryan and Shari Roberts. And they came up and ordered a drink, and I got talking to them, had a good conversation with them. And as they were leaving, they said, Look, if you ever want to come to America, give us a shout.
1: Shane didn't need a second invitation, and the funds to make it happen came at just the right time. When I was
3: 15, I was on a bicycle and I was cycling down to a dronchondra and didn't a woman break a light? And she just ploughed me, I ran me over on the bicycle. Got a good doing over, like, into a windscreen, like. And I ended up getting, I think it was 1,500 pounds claim for the injuries that I had. Before I went, I remember giving the outfit. I think I gave him 600 quid for himself
1: because I didn't need all that money. And I ended up flying out from Shannon out to Florida. As he turned 18, Shane joined the thousands of young emigrants departing recession-hit Ireland, ready for adventure and to live on his wits. Ever since I was a kid, I
3: loved The Six Million Dollar Man and I loved Charlie's Angels and Chips. Californias, oh, I loved the dream come true, you know. And there was nothing but doll cues in Ireland at that time in the mid-80s. There was nothing happening in Ireland. I was very depressed and I just I wanted adventure. So I ended up on the doorstep of Ryan and Sherry Roberts and I was staying with them for a few months. I had a map of America and I said I'm going to hitchhike to California. I went up to northern Florida, crossed through Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. This guy dropped me off in the middle of nowhere in Texas. I think I was about maybe 300 miles from El Paso on the I-10. There was nothing there. And I could see up there. Over the horizon, like these huge thunder clouds. And I said, Oh, I'm going to get smashed here because you see all the lightning and everything, you know. And this trucker came along and he stopped. Thank God he stopped. I hopped in. He says, Where are you going, man? I'm going to California. This is your lucky day because I'm going to San Diego. I said, San Diego sounds great for me. I said, That man was only probably in his 20s driving that big rig. Not a bother on him. That was a 1,200 mile journey from where he picked me up. I ended up in San Diego, California. Had no money, I was staying in homeless shelters there. And then I worked my way up to LA, was in homeless shelters there, Um, just bumming around. It was tough times now, like, like Jesus. You'd meet some unscrupulous characters, like, ah, they could be alcoholics or drug users, or just some of them weren't so nice and some of them were very nice just hanging out, bumming out during the daytime with them, and some of them were fantastic chess players, and that's where
1: I really learned how to play really good chess. That was typical of Shane's wanderings, which over four years took him to Hawaii, back to California, where he managed to get a social security number, briefly back to Ireland, then England, France, Spain, Gibraltar, the Canaries where he got a job as a deckhand on a ship heading to the Caribbean, Guadeloupe, St Lucia, Martinique, another boat to Canada, and then back to California. Hitching? Yes. Running? No. Luxury lodging? Certainly not. No news of his mother and sister either. I kept in touch at home with long-distance phone calls, of course. There was no WhatsApp
3: or emails back then, yeah. But it was very rarely I kept them. Probably called home once every probably six months or once a year, you know. But. Let's get ready to go. No, just
2: so before we go, we'll just give you the final instructions, Yeah. You should know who you're kind of pairing off with now, which group you're in.
1: Running wasn't part of Shane's life then. That was coming, and is still here today as he pursues the over-50s world records. This is no stroll in the park. He's going remarkably well
2: today, because this is really where he struggled, like the power element, like when you get older. And like he's got great kind of an engine and fitness and pain tolerance, but... Basically, the elasticity of your muscles and your power definitely begins to wear when you get a little bit older. So we'll see how he goes. He might crack at some point.
1: Shane doesn't crack and completes nine gruelling uphill sprints with the lead group. After a short rest, it's another steady 3K run. His path to athletics began 30 years ago when he enrolled in a college in the San Francisco Bay Area. This was in March
3: of 1990. I bought
1: a, a 1966 Volkswagen Campus
3: split screen and I ended up living in that. I enrolled in the Contra Costa Community College and I was showering every day in the locker rooms and I got talking to the black sprinters. It was really black and Asian college and they introduced me to the coach. He said, coach, that's the man that people are talking about on campus. And he goes, God damn, man, you look like Eamon Coughlin, Marcus O'Sullivan, Frank O'Mara, those Irish boys that are flying indoors. Because at that time, they were world record holders and world champions. And I, I was going like, who are these guys? Who is he talking about? I don't know any of these guys. Running was just a foreign to me, you know. And he goes, you look skinny enough, man. You, Why don't you come out and run a mile like the great Eamon Coughlin? I said, you want me to run a mile for you? I haven't got time to be running around in circles for you. And he goes, I tell you what, I'll give you $50 if you run to come out now and run a mile for me on the track. And I said, you're going to give me $50 to run a mile? I said, OK, show me the $50. So he took out his wallet and put the $50 in and I snatched the $50. I said, OK, show me where the track is. So I went out onto the track with an old beat-up pair of tennis shoes and a pair of shorts I had. He goes, now, run around that track as hard as you can. And I ran, I just hung in there on the last lap, Whatever I felt in my legs I never felt before in my life which was like, there was abundance of lactate and my lungs would just scream but I had ran a 4.32 mile without any training and that's the truth
1: 4.32 A 4.32 mile with no training it's no surprise that the coach Archie Owens was taken aback Shane was trim and not unfit but 4.32 pointed to exceptional natural ability a previously untapped talent was about to blossom and the coach goes,
3: God damn, bro, you can run, you're hungry. Tell you what, if you run athletics for the college, track and field, for the season, I'll pay for your groceries every week. After travelling the world for four or five years, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had found out something exciting to me. I had found the American dream when I ran that mile. And then I went straight into training, like running five or six miles each day. And he got me doing 200s,
1: loads and loads of 200s in quarters. Quarters, the Americans love quarters. Quarters means quarter miles, 400 metres. Shane was running them multiple times with short rests in between. It's called interval training and it's key to improving your time for the mile or its close cousin, the 1500 metres.
3: I end up coming in sixth.
1: In the Northern California State Championship. And I made it in
3: through the skin of my teeth to the state championship when we were only three months of running. I couldn't believe it.
1: But it wasn't long before Shane was looking further afield, and running was his ticket to a more prestigious university. He was about to swap his green camper van for the green singlet of Adams State College, a powerhouse of middle and long distance running located high in the Colorado Rockies, where he would be guided by US Olympic distance coach Dr. Joe Vihel.
3: I was so determined to get to Adam's State. I called that man three or four times and I said coach it's Shane at coach you don't understand I've only been running a few months and I'm hungry and I want to go to Adam's Day
1: Many of Ireland's most celebrated athletes have come through the American college system Ronnie Delaney Eamon Coughlin and Sonia O'Sullivan amongst them And Lord Behold I couldn't
3: believe it they accepted me in
1: I sold up the camper
3: for $1200 and I hitchhiked again I hitchhiked from San Francisco through Nevada, down through Utah, into Alamosa, Colorado, in June of that year, 1990. And I got into Alamosa. The guy, he just dropped me off at the bowling alley. A quick phone call to Coach Vijo. Coach, I'm here in Alamosa. I'm here to meet you, buddy. And he goes, where are you? At the airport. I said, no, I'm at the bowling alley. He goes, son... I think he picked me up wrong we don't give scholarships for bowling I said no coach I hitchhiked from San Francisco and the guy just dropped me off here Coach knew he had found someone very special here's this kid that would hitchhike 1200 miles to run for his school so coach picked me up at the bowling alley and we just hit it off it was a great friendship
1: A second Irish athlete and future world championship competitor Daniel Caulfield arrived in Shane's second year they remain friends today
4: When I got there they said there's another Irish fella here and I thought this is great you know because it was a very lonely place Uh, Alamos is it's in South Central Colorado and there's absolutely nothing around there's these big tumbleweeds that roll across uh, the main street you know the door opens and this is uh, Shane Healy walking in and he has this phenomenal tan he's blonde haired blue eyes and I thought this fella's not from Ireland he didn't look like uh, he was straight out of Tala that's for sure He was always a wheeler and dealer. I remember distinctly at one stage, one of his main possessions was a bicycle. And it didn't seem like too long after it it was a motorbike, maybe a 125cc. And then not long after that, it was a 250cc. And then that turned into uh, some small car. Following that, he had a Saab. After that, he had a 67 Mustang, you know, that he sold on. It it was entertaining, to say the least, you know.
3: Every day, I was just so excited to wake up another day of running and I studied to study uh, sports and exercise management with a minor in
1: business. That's what I did at Adams State. <laughs> November 22nd, 1993. And for the fourth year in a row, Shane is on the Adams State starting team for the National Collegiate Cross-Country Championship.
4: The race went out. Uh, Shane took the lead after about half a mile. I'd had a disagreement with a runner from another school within the first 400 metres and... Uh, He didn't seem to like us too much and so I said, Shane, this man wants to speak to you and so that meant, kind of in our own vernacular, Shane took the lead and (laughs) made the guy pay for the not-so-nice things he was saying to our team early on and that was the sort of fellow Shane is. He's just unbelievably loyal to his teammates and the people he cares about. He ran a ferocious last mile uh, in order to do it. Yeah, it was, it was just a great day for him, you know, and the rest of us. Shane was first over the line. Adam State won team gold. That was the last race Coach Hill coached as a collegiate coach. He retired after that day. Shane was only beginning to get noticed in Ireland, but
1: before he finished in Adam State the following spring, he had introduced himself to three-time Olympian and World Championship gold medalist Eamon Coughlin. They met at the famous Milrose Games in Madison Square Garden, New York, where Cochran had won the blue ribboned event, the Wanamaker Mile, a then record seven times. When did I first meet Shane
5: Healy? I'll never forget it. <laughs> it was actually incredible. I was running in the Masters Mile in Madison Square Garden, 1993. He was running for Adams State in. The 4 by 800 meter relay in the garden at the time, right? I was all excited to be at the Millrose Games. Marcus O'Sullivan was running in the Wanamaker Mile. So I'm back in the hotel after the meet, cross the street. I get on the elevator and it closed and then it opened again. So I ran into the lift
3: all excited. And then all of a sudden I seen this guy. I was, oh jeez, that's Marcus. I said, how's it going, Marcus? And he goes, hey Marcus, how you doing? Well done, you know. He goes, I'm not Marcus, so I'm Aimon Cockland. And I go, Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not Marcus. And I said, Oh jeez, sorry. I'd, you know, apologies, you know. And I said, Anyway, I'm gonna run faster than you someday. He says, Get out of here, you cocky kid. <laughs>
1: Does that conversation last long? Uh it sure didn't, as a matter of fact, but I never forgot his name. <laughs> that was Shane
3: That was my first encounter with the Irish athletes and I knew then they oh meeting these big men now. Maybe it's my time to step up to be a big man too after I finish college. Now it's my time, you know.
1: Being a big man meant running in the biggest sports event of all, the Olympic Games. And getting there would also give Shane a global platform to reach out to his mother and sister whom he hadn't seen for 20 years. Not only that, really, deep down, really wanted to
3: run for Ireland and qualify, it, it, it was a goal, but also would it open the gates for my mother to come f- to find my mother and my sister Lorraine? Absolutely. Because, you know, I say, okay, now this is great publicity. This was spurned me on. It did. It's, it, it really did, you know. And uh, I, and I wasn't just finding mother and Lorraine. I find a mother and Lorraine for Brian and I was finding a mother and Lorraine for my sister Liona, I was finding for dad.
6: I think it was a big part, but I think the bigger part was the Olympic Dream. That's Frank Greeley, founder and editor
1: for thirty seven years of Irish Runner magazine.
6: Imagine a kid abandoned by his mother at four years of age. I think it was it was that big dream of making something of himself as well, you know, I think that that had a lot to do with it as well. and and to to fully, embraced the talent and, and the determination he had. Now, I think the mother and sister uh, would have been a very big motivating factor. But I think deep down as well, it was getting the very best out of the ability he, he had, you know.
1: Frank, who had himself been to college in the States, recalls the first time he saw Shane in action. It was at the Europa Cup in the summer of 1994.
6: I was sitting up in the stands in the Martin Stadium in Santory. He was running for Ireland, and I looked to the fellow next to me when he came up the straight to finish. and I said, that's one guy that has something special. i got to talk to him. And I went on met him there on the track afterwards. And uh, he told me he was only after coming back from America. Immediately we connected. He told me what he was aiming for at the time and how the Olympics was uh, big in his radar. And it was, seemed like a, almost an impossible dream at the time. While his cross country successes at Adams
1: State had been at longer distances, On the track, Shane specialised in the 1500 metres and that was his target for the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. To qualify, he would need to get entry to a suitable race and run faster than ever before, 3 minutes and 38 seconds. Seven months out, Christmas 1995, he hadn't got it and he needed help. Eamon Coughlin was at the traditional New Year's Day race in the Phoenix Park. And all of a sudden, who meets me on Shane Healy. Hey, Eamon, how you
5: doing? Oh, Shane, how's it going? And he said, Eamon, can I ask you something? And I go, what? He said, will you coach me? And I go, what? Will I coach you? I said, no, I haven't coached anybody, at all except pretty much myself. I said, "Uh, why? He said, i tell you why. I really... Admire you you, We come from the same Neck of the woods He said What you've achieved Chairman of the boards He's my greatest Actually PR man Even to this day Right Shane is And uh, he said But I really 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 want to go To the Olympic Games And you're the man To get me there So I said well Let me think about it Right And I think it was The next day I met with Shane For a cup of tea And we talked about it And I said Shane I'm going to do it For you Only one thing I want you to do is to listen to me and not to listen to anybody else. And everything I tell you to do, you do it. Uh, I nearly get emotional now over because he was a good guy. Something stood out in Shane. He was a good person. He was an honest person. He was really serious about the journey. And the journey for him was to find his mother. And he told me, by getting to the Olympic Games, that would do it for him. And that meant a lot. I saw he had balls. Mm -hmm. Big balls. So I decided, I'm going to help this kid out.
1: With Cochrane on board and help from the likes of Frank Greeley, Shane raised his profile with a feature article written by Olympic silver medalist John Tracy in Irish Runner, and then two appearances with Pat Kenny on RTE in early 1996.
0: The young man has just run into the studio. Didn't stand on a track until he was 21 years old. Five years later, he's less than a second away from the Olympic qualifying time for the 1500 metres. Despite the fact that he left school at 13, he's now a college graduate who has travelled the world, not your average 26-year-old. His name is Shane Healy. Shane, you're very welcome to the programme. Hello, Pat. How are you doing? You have achieved these fantastic times really on your own
3: at this stage. Well, I, I I went to Colorado last summer in July, and I trained really hard, and I came back to Ireland in October. But the three weeks before I came back, I had to stay at a homeless shelter in Denver. That tells you what I have to really go through just to make the standard for the Irish Olympic team. You know what I mean? Like, there's no support out there.
1: It was a platform that gave Shane the chance to appeal for his mother and sister Lorraine to make contact.
0: Okay, but there's one person that you want to talk to right now.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She,
3: she's my older sister, Lorraine Healy. And I would like to say, like, we've lost contact with her over, I haven't seen her in many years. And if she's watching today, I'd like her to contact, like, contact me through RTE or just to say hi, to say that you're safe and well. Lorraine, if
0: you are out there, be in touch with us, because uh, Shane really wants to see you again and I know you'll be very proud of him when, when, not if, when he goes to the Olympics in Atlanta.
1: On the plus side, he was attracting financial support.
0: Phillips Phillips have a slogan, let's make things better, okay? And they have decided to make things better for Shane Healy because they're giving him almost £4,000 to facilitate his
1: training. Training progressed well under Cochrane, but Shane just couldn't get that elusive qualifying time. Frank Greeley was pulling strings to get him extra opportunities.
6: He had almost given up on getting the qualifying time. He, he was close, but not close enough.
3: I remember running three or four races in a space of 14 days. It was a lot of racing, you know, and June 15th was the cut-off date. And I started to get desperate. And I came back from running those four races. And I went into Frank Greeley's office, the, the Irish runner in Hals Cross.
6: And there was one race left.
3: Madrid. Wednesday night
6: and I had kind of exhausted everything I could do for him and I offered him one thing I said you can have the use of the phone if you want to try and get into the meet
3: so I called the meeting director up in Madrid excuse me sir I want to run your race who is this I said my name is Shane Healy I want to run your race on Wednesday night no, 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 no. The Olympic champion for me and catcher was running and he's going for the world record. No, no, no. Field is full. Hung up the phone. I called that man. I was so desperate. I called him about six times that day.
6: I went down to the basement of where we were working up in Strass Road and he was on his knees on the phone. This was his final call to your man.
3: And I said, sir, it's is this this Irish man again? I said, yeah, sir, you don't realise I'm desperate to get into your race. I'll pay for my flight. Just please put me into your race for Wednesday night.
6: He wore the guy down and the guy said, listen, you crazy Irish man.
3: You're in. Let me know when you get to the airport tomorrow what time your flights are in.
6: You had a very hard, poor chance of getting in because this was the final throw of the dice for uh, qualifying for the Atlanta Olympics. So I went down that day, got the
3: plane ticket. That night, I stayed in Eamon Cockland's house. And I remember getting up at five o'clock that morning. It was dark the first part of the m50 wasn't built yet and i remember driving through dunsink and down through the old roads you know and looking at all the old caravans and stuff and it was a very lonely road and it was all by myself and i'm thinking is this in vain you know the little demons start to come into your head i said no this is it this is your last chance it's the last chance saloon so i got on the plane and then as we were flying into madrid The captain goes, welcome to Madrid, an altitude of 3,000 feet, 38 Celsius. So I got to the stadium, and the heat was just stifling. I was looking down the sideline, for me and Castro there to my right, and other Kenyans, and all lined up, ready to go. I looked down the track, the back straight, and all I could see was these mirages just rising off the track, the heat. And the sweat just coming off me like and I'm looking down and I said oh, bang the gun went off just took off
0: 40 is Philip Candy of Kenya
3: I am flying
0: he looks to be uh, helping with the pacemaking role Cecilia in the lead Cacho in third place at the moment coming up to 400 metres
3: I came through the first 400 in last 56, well, that's... at the 500 mark I, I couldn't course. breathe
0: not ideal conditions, running at the altitude of Madrid. It certainly does have an effect in the middle and long distances.
3: Coming into the 800 meter mark, Lord of behold, did they get a second wind?
0: John coming through, threatening in third place, but he with a victory here that is really a big surprise.
3: Clock stopped at the time when the first finisher came across, and I came across, you know, and the legs were gone in the heat. The, the Spanish guys knew my plight; they knew I was desperado. One of the Spanish guys came up and he said, Shane, Shane, you see the results? You ran
1: 3.36.58. The run, a personal best, ensured Shane's place on the Irish team for the Atlanta Olympic Games. I was the proudest day
3: of my life. I was going to go to the greatest show on earth, that Willy Wonka, the golden ticket. My name was on it. I was absolutely chuffed and just flabbergasted. And I just felt light, easy, just
1: the dream of dreams The Madrid race was exactly one month before the Irish team flew to Atlanta There was time for some final preparations back in Dublin before Shane walked out with Team Ireland for the opening ceremony of the 26th Olympic Games where Muhammad Ali lit the flame at the Centennial Stadium as a huge audience watched on television
6: L'Irlande! Ireland, Ireland.
3: Walking out onto the track, it was just I had to pinch myself. That was the opening. So, and what caught my attention was the millions of flashes, the cameras, the atmosphere it was hitting you from all angles like it was the flash, the photography, the roars of the crowds. And it was just, yeah, wow. And you're competing for your country more, greater honor. Wow, I actually got to meet President Bill Clinton.
4: Hi.
1: Declare open the Games of Atlanta, celebrating the 26th Olympiad of the modern era.
3: It was a couple of days before the first round of the 1500 metres, and the cafeterias are massive at the Olympic Games, and I noticed all these athletes sitting down at this one table and... Curiosity got the better of me. I just strolled over and just looked over. Lord to behold, I couldn't believe it. It was Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, sitting down talking to of all a Cuban athlete. you know, and it was fantastic. Like, and he got up and started walking shaking the athlete's hands, and I got to shake his hand, and I asked him I said to him, I said "What's happening in Northern Ireland?" Oh, just... And he says, "Young man, I'm working on it." And he says, "Best luck in your event." And that was it, shook the man's hand, Bill Clinton.
1: Competition in the 1,500 metres is intense. There are three rounds, heats, semifinals and a final. There were 57 world-class runners, including Shane Healy, competing for three medals. Would his mother or sister, or someone else who would make the connection, be watching? The crowd was savage. I think there was 90,000 in that
3: stadium. You know, I ran the world championships. No, the Olympics is, is the cream of the crop.
1: 4,000 miles away in Dublin Coach Coughlin watched the race in his role as an RTE analyst
5: I worked with him for the last six months he did everything he was told and he ended up getting the qualifying time and hopefully he'll get through to the next round
3: Out onto the starting line I said okay
1: stay middle pack don't touch the front
6: We'll see how he gets on indeed
1: George Hamilton and Frank O'Mara were on commentary
6: Here they go then Shane Healy's heat
3: in the 1500 metres for men He's wearing white and he's
0: in there that's a 60 second second lap that's slowed up now you can see the bunch coming together in one huge group and this is where athletes have got to be have got to be very very careful shane healy is
3: coming down in. i got boxed in really badly.
0: badly right now he needs to find some way out of this quickly shane healy boxed in on the curb and in sixth position still bell sounds shane healy just gets himself out
3: i seen a gap and, and right? i went for it yeah, so up i went three from three three eight to fifth,
0: he has a good chance of qualifying. There we go, 255 at 1200. That's quick. I mean, a 41 second uh, 300 meters from here, and they're going to run 336. It would give him a great, great chance. I would. That would almost ensure him of qualification. Well, he's going to certainly going to
2: give it a real lash.
5: He's just boxed there on the line, seemed to have his line taken, but he's through, and he's finishing
0: in fifth position. Shane Heady.
5: I was very, very proud of him. However, he made a. Big tactical error. He got himself boxed in uh, with two laps to go. He wasn't able to get out of trouble at all. Fair play to him. He didn't panic. He couldn't get out even with 110 metres to go coming off
1: the last turns. And he forced his way up on the inside. Now, I was really concerned. That Shane's time out. of three minutes, 37.28, his second fastest ever, got him through to the semi finals three days later. We pick it up as the bell sounds for the final lap.
6: Alongside. Hakimi leads course. Kip career.
3: Shane Healy finding the pace a little hot at this stage.
1: His time was three minutes, 39.81.
6: Shane Healy has drifted off the back of that.
1: My goal was to
3: get to the Olympic semi-final because when you had mostly El Gourouge, Kacho...
6: Shane
5: Healy coming up now.
3: Honestly, look, with only five years of really solid running, I've done well to get to the Olympic Games and to the semi-final. If I had a little bit more maturity under my belt, maybe a couple of more years of tough, tough racing then I could have made the final but no, not, not that year no I think I ran to my limits like yeah
1: However Shane's hopes of finding his mother in 1996 weren't realised To this day it's just uh,
3: it's not a day that goes by where I always wonder where they are what they're doing or it's just sad really yeah
1: when they had been together at Adams State, Daniel Caulfield reckoned he had a better chance than Shane of making the Atlanta
4: Olympics. Caulfield missed out. Did I think he would be a semi-finalist in the Olympics three years later? Definitely not. You know, that's a testament to just sheer willpower and work ethic and just single-minded drive. I have not met anyone who has worked harder, though, like in my travels. He's, uh, he is at the, at, the, at the very top. The pair were reunited in Dublin. I uh, moved in with him and some digs in uh, in Fairhouse. That was probably the first time I ever got to meet anyone from his family. You start understanding like the uh, the difficulties you know and the hardships that he had dealt with when he was younger and just the amazing attitude that he had despite those hardships. It was amazing he seemed to know everyone There was, there was no place he didn't seem to have a VIP pass to in Dublin. I thought it was just like any time we would, you know, go out just to, you know, to see people, to chat with people, to go dance or whatever. We always were able to get in every place we went for free, never paid a penny. Just again, his unwillingness to take no for an answer got him indoors almost everywhere. Injury, funding,
1: desire, dancing. The last time Shane wore the senior Irish vest was at the 1997 World Championships. Within a couple of years of Atlanta, he had drifted out of the sport.
5: There were many years and many pounds later before I saw Shane. Eamon Coughlin again. And the many pounds later it was, hey Shane, what happened to you? There
3: was a transformation in him. I did absolutely nothing. I'd probably be, I'd probably put on about three stone. (laughs) I, I went up to, I remember I went up to 13 stone, eight pounds on the scales. I didn't do any, no physical activity whatsoever. I danced a lot, loved out, out partying all the time. Not a bother, but yeah, no.
5: But Shane was still Shane. Ah, Eamon, you're great.
3: Well, Shane, what are you doing?
5: Ah, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. Well, Shane, what are you really doing?
3: <laughs> you know, I love classic cars and I bought and sold classic cars. I bought a house and sold it on,
1: did it up, bought a house and sold it on my, my own house. But in the financial crash of 2008, life took another turn. Just say overnight, that's when the business went bang, you know, like nobody was buying classic cars. The ass fell through
3: it all. Like, I had a lovely house in in Leytown, I lost that to the banks. So that was gone, that was a report. And it kind of set me back. And, yeah. I, I was in my 40s then as well, like, and it was hard to find work. You couldn't get a job, like, it was really hard. Like, who wants to hire somebody who's 40, like, and you know, and... So I retrained and I got into caring. Um, I'm a carer now, so that's what I do. I work for the visually impaired. I look after blind people, um, some with intellectual disabilities, and that's what I've been doing for the last six or seven years.
1: The latent runner in Shane finally emerged. He started training with Eamon Coughlin's son, John, also an Irish international. When I started back in 2012,
3: those first couple of miles was hell. I came a long way in eight months but then I had a horrific injury with John Coughlin on the track I had a phenomenal session that night Tuesday night I'll never forget it it was a frosty night it was really cold not thinking nothing of it warmed down came home two o'clock that night I woke up with excruciating pain I had to tell my wife Jennifer Jenny I need help I had to wake her up. I said he had to call an ambulance. What it turned out was I tore my intercostal rib muscles from using my breathing muscles, pushing myself too hard for months after
1: I couldn't run. It took me a year to get over that injury. And it was almost four years before Shane went back again to running.
6: And now to the final of the men's 1,500 metres.
1: This was 2016.
3: And I was looking at the Olympic final in the 1,500 metres in Rio. And I said, oh my God, it just dawned on me that Ireland, where are all our great milers? We had nobody in the 1500, nobody in the 3K steeple, nobody in the 5000, nobody in the 10,000, and we had three guys in the marathon. And I said, where are the track runners? What, what's happening here? And plus, I wasn't happy with my weight. I wasn't in a great place mentally either, thinking like... you're you're 47, you're feeling overweight, didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And, yeah, there was a little bit of depression there, I say it was, yeah. I said, I just need a good feel story. And I said, I'm going to set myself a goal. And I'm going to train. I'm going to break the over 50 world records. That's my goal.
1: The Dublin Track Club was the perfect vehicle for Shane to slay some mental demons... And get in shape for some world records. It's February 2020, and Shane has a busy schedule of races. Already this month in Armagh, he has set an over 50s world record for the 5km road race, completing the course in 14 minutes 57 seconds, equating to an average speed of just over 20 kilometers per hour. Five days later, he's after the indoor mile record. Romantic element about the men's, the mile, you know, you know, bring back the miles, big big push in the stage. That's Dave Matthews, who ran the 800 metres at the Atlanta Olympics. He's the meeting director.
0: We were blessed here tonight. We have uh, Shane Healy, who's come for a, uh, an over 50 world record, uh, but also within the same race with Keane
1: McPhillips from Longford AC, a 19 year old. He's going to try and break sub four minute mile, which has never happened here in the National Indoor Arena. Coach Phelan Kelly and some other vocal supporters are there for Shane.
2: Yeah, I think he might go off too fast. Like, And Shane being Shane, four, I think 4.23 is the record, and he wants to go at 4.16 pace. Shane is ambitious, and I suppose what's gotten him where he is.
1: Shane does go out fast.
2: Like, it's the second half of the race, really, that hopefully he'll have the energy. Especially when you get older, you'll, the elasticity goes, he won't have the power at the end, so he needs to try and save a little bit. That's it,
5: Shane. Keep it going, Shane. Now work, 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 work.
3: On, Shane. So Shane Haley Shane. Come on! has done absolutely everything here. 426.
6: It's been a great effort. It's just been outside the world mile record. I want
2: split. I think he was a bit too fast at the start. Really, the positive thing is he actually looked better at the close. But normally he clams right up, and he looked stronger there.
3: Ah, look, it's uh, had no go in the last 400, 500. But look, not to worry, you just get on, don't dwell on a negative run, just keep going on. The, The great thing about athletics is you can put a bad experience behind you and just move on to the
1: next race. So it proved. Less than a fortnight later, first in the heat, and then again in the final the next day, Shane broke the over 50 world record for the indoor 1,500 metres at the National Senior Championships.
3: I was delighted to make the final for a 51 year old. I, I was just absolutely chuffed. Um, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Um, but when I told the line against all the young fellows, you know, I'm probably the oldest in the race by over 20 years. Just as the race progressed, I got stronger and stronger. I, I knew I'd broken the world record when I came across. Um, and I seen the clock go from 4.0 four to 4.01. And I said, yes, I was delighted. I knew I took a big old chunk off my world record.
1: Shane should have been chasing one of the records he covets most, the outdoor mile, at the Belfast Milers Club meeting today. But the COVID-19 pandemic ruined the racing calendar. Instead, Shane and his fellow runners, his friends, are building strength in today's Dublin Track Club session.
2: So keep it together, Shane, you've got it.
1: Going nicely. Phelan Kelly is cycling alongside the group, coaching.
2: That's good again, rhythm and form, rhythm and form. Don't get lazy, get focused. And still control the rhythm. Good job, Hiko. Yeah. Just start relaxing a little bit now, Shane, yeah? Just think of loose shoulders. You can kind of start winding down, if you know what I mean. And use it a little bit more like clearance, yeah? Serious workout today, anyway. You're flying today. Yeah. It's impressive. But just run controlled now. Thanks, coach. Get the crown of the head up to the sky again. Yeah, there you go.
1: On the way towards the car park, Shane is preaching positive. Good job, young guys. Well done. Remember, you're the future of Athletics Island. Young, gone and full of energy. Ah, yeah. Before another 5 k the final warm-down, Shane offers his summary of the session.
3: Oh, good, yeah. we probably got a little bit too hard in the first 3K, but look, the last 3K, I ran that a lot more controlled. Legs were a little bit banjaxed after that. So I don't think it's too bad for somebody that's nearly 52 years old and everybody helps each other, even when we're hurting, we give each other a pat on the back. Uh, uh, like, as a, a a runner and coach, they come to me for guidance, and I do my best to give them positivity in their lives, and uh, they ask me how do you make the Olympic Games, and I said true perseverance, dedication, and... and and an unshatterable belief in oneself.
1: Before his father died in 2014, Shane made one more attempt to find his mother and his sister Lorraine. I went over to Yorkshire to
3: to trace my, to my mother's roots, to do some investigation, but I only had one cousin alive over there, Charlotte, and I still couldn't contact her because my dad said to me he said look go to Walpole Road in Huddersfield in England and look her up and I think she lives in numbers 55 or 50 Walpole Road and no go whatever happened that night back in 73 mum does not want to be found she knows how to find us she knows all my uncles and aunts and relatives are in Roscarmon still now but for some reason I don't even know if she's still alive I don't know she would be 81 now I guess and My older sister Lorraine now should be 54. I don't have any regrets. I'm happy with how I lived my life. If I... No, I don't have any regrets because you know what? It was exciting. It was some hell of a ride. That's all I can say to you.
0: You've been listening to Shane Healy back on track from the documentary on One. It was narrated by Gary Moran and produced by Gary Moran and Tim Desmond. Until next time, thanks for listening.